bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensa Otobiel. And now, today's word. So, in the incarnation, we have God, the unseen one, the creator, manifesting himself, revealing himself, proclaiming his word, proclaiming himself to us. But that's not where incarnation ends, because a very important statement is in that confession that Paul talks about. God was manifested not in our minds. He was not manifested in our thoughts. He was not manifested in our spirits. Paul says he was manifested in the flesh. In the flesh. So this manifestation of God did not take place in the spirit. It took place in the flesh. Everybody say the flesh. What does it mean when he says that God manifested in the flesh? It means God became material material the immaterial became material christ had a real human body a body that could be touched a body that was real material the flesh also means that something that is physical something that can be touched And something that can be felt. That's the incarnation. The unseen God. The first cause. The source of all things. The uncreated one. Made himself known. He revealed. And in that revelation. He showed us in the flesh. Why did he have to do it in the flesh? Because we live in the flesh and we live in time. So he has to come into time and come into a place where our senses can perceive this unseen God. We saw his mercy. So when Jesus is walking and a woman is caught in adultery and they present the person to Jesus and and they say, Lord, uh, What are you going to do about it? And he doesn't say, that's no adultery. He doesn't say, that's no sin. He doesn't say, it doesn't matter. Okay, sin and so what? He speaks about our attitude. He says, if you don't have any sin, stone her. So, what does that reveal about God? God does not excuse our sin. But he doesn't want us also to be the judge of other people's sin. So everybody drops their stone because memory is triggered. They may not have committed adultery, but they told a lie, they did something else. Or some of them have maybe committed a murder, whatever it is they did. And then Jesus speaks and he says to the woman, I don't condemn you too. So what is he saying? God does not condemn us when we sin. Prior to that, everybody felt, if you sin, God will hold a big stick and bang, 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 hit your head. He says, neither do I condemn you. 
But then check what he says. He doesn't say, I don't condemn you. You are free to go. He says, go and sin no more. In other words, although God does not condemn sin, he doesn't approve of sin. How do we know that nature of God? In the incarnation, God manifested in the flesh. And in the flesh, he showed us in real human terms, in time, how God responds to the sin of humanity. He told the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep. Because for us, if I have 99 and one sheep is stubborn and goes away, hey, leave him alone, oh. He's just one. Let me take off the 99. But he says, that's not God's heart. That is why when you tell God to kill somebody for you, you know, <laughs> let's say you are the 99. You say, God, you know, I am, I am faithful. But this one is bad. Kill him, Lord. He says, do, do, do you understand the nature of God? In the incarnation, Jesus is showing us God loves the 99, protects the 99, does not endanger the 99, but he doesn't leave the one. He doesn't. There are people you wish God will abandon, but he will abandon them whether you hate them or not. How do we know that? It is through the incarnation. It's through the incarnation that we see God in the flesh and how he acts and what he says and how those things God says practically manifest in a human context. All of that is possible because of the incarnation. God manifested in the flesh. And John chapter 1 verse 14 puts it very clearly. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. One of the things we instituted in our church is declaring our faith every month through the Christian creed. So the last first first Sunday, every first Sunday of the year, we make a declaration of the Christian creed. People call it the Apostles' Creed. In a sense, it's the Apostles' Creed, but it's not for them. It's for all Christians. So we can say the apostles are gone, so now we don't say it again. We are Christians. So the apostles set out the fundamentals of the Christian faith and, and summarized it in what is called the Christian creed. And it took a lot of processes for, for the early church to arrive at the summary of the essentials of the Christian faith. We may not agree with every Christian on everything. I don't agree with Catholics on everything. I don't agree with Anglicans on everything. I don't agree with Baptists on everything. Not all Christians don't agree on everything. Some few you should wear scarf, others few you shouldn't wear scarf. Some few if you paint your nails red, it is the devil and all of that. <laughs> you know, people believe all of that, but those are not essential. What identifies me as a Christian and others as a Christian is that there are. Things that are not negotiable. And that's in the Christian cry. I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of Heaven and Jesus Christ. And so on and so forth. Now, in the Christian creed, there is an acknowledgement of the, 
of the incarnation. And I'll go through that very quickly. And this is what it says. I believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. At the center of the Christian faith is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not an idea, not a theory, not a behavior, but a person. Christianity is about a person. It's not even about a teaching. People say, well, as for me, I just follow the teachings of Jesus. If you don't accept the person, you can't follow the teaching. You have to know, accept who he is. Either he's who he is or he's not who he said he is. If he's not who he said he is, you cannot follow his teaching. Then it means he's a liar. But Jesus said, I am God. I and the Father are one. If you see me, you've seen the Father. It's either he was hallucinated Jewish carpenter or he was who he says he is. If you don't accept him, you don't accept his teaching. So Christianity is not about the teaching of Jesus Christ. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. And the early Christians will say, Jesus is Lord. And when they said Jesus is Lord, they didn't mean Jesus is master in that sense. Because the old Hebrews had developed a word for God to replace the holy name of God. You know, in, in the Hebrew Bible, God's name, which he revealed to Israel, uh, they reduced it to four alphabets. yod Hey, vav Hey, and, um, and sometimes people call Jehovah, and, uh, and some people call Yahweh. But most Jews will not pronounce that word. They will not say Yahweh. They will, they will not say yod Hey, vav Hey. So they had to invent another word to put there. And the reason they did that is because God says, don't put the name of the Lord God in vain. Don't use the name of the Lord in vain. So they don't pronounce the, the name of God. It's too holy. When they're reading the Bible, when I'm reading my Hebrew Bible and I see yod heh vav I, I don't pronounce it. I'm just trying to follow the Hebrew tradition. And so they, they invented another word for, for uh, yod heh vav and that is Adonai. So when you read the Hebrew Bible, although it says uh, the four letters, the true Hebrew will say Adonai. Although it's not spelled Adonai. Adonai is what is translated as Lord. So to the Hebrew mind, Adonai, which you find in your normal King James Bible is Lord, capital L-O-R-D. It's different from the normal written Lord. Adonai is God. Adonai is God. So when the early Christians say Jesus is Adonai, they don't mean he's just a master. They are meaning he's the same one who appeared to Moses and said, I am who I am. They believe this man is God. It is at the center of Christianity. It's at the center of our faith. So we confess Jesus is Lord. He is Adonai. He is the eternal one who manifested in time. That is Christianity. You don't believe that, you're not a Christian. You may be going to church, but you're not Christian. That's the essential truth of Christianity. So, he says we confess that Jesus is our Lord. The second statement I want you to note. It says he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
we must be careful not to trivialize or make mockery of this fact. While we may show how incredible it is for a, a woman to say, I am pregnant uh, by the Holy Spirit, we must not make fun of it because it is fundamental to our faith. And sometimes I hear people preach things and I cringe because it goes to undermine a sacred truth of Christianity conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mary conceived, but this was an act of the Holy Spirit. And people say, have you seen a woman who has conceived by the Holy Spirit before? Ha, 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 ha. If every woman could conceive by the Holy Spirit, then there is no Jesus. The reason why he is who he is, because in the history of the human race, that has never happened, will never happen. It's an impossibility in the human realm, but it is a possibility with God. And that's why it's the mystery of Christianity, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then, finally, he says, born of the Virgin Mary. That's a very powerful truth. Why? Because Jesus had to be born. That word manifested is not just an appearance, but he was born of the Virgin Mary. Born is the only legitimate way to come into this world. Any human being on earth who has not been born is an illegal entity. We'll call them extraterrestrial or whatever we call them. ETs or AIs. But born of the Virgin Mary. She was not only conceived but born. He has a legitimate entry. Why did God go to all that land to do that? Because the f- Christ is called the last Adam. The last Adam. It's a very powerful statement. Why is it important? Because there is a first Adam. The first Adam had no earthly father. Who born Adam? He had no earthly father. He was created. The last Adam also has no earthly father. He was brought into being by the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. When we read the Bible, these things should interest us. Because it should take your mind back to something in Genesis chapter 1. From verse 1. The earth is without form. Darkness is upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God overshadowed the earth. The same spirit who overshadowed the earth and brought light and brought all life into being. In Genesis chapter 1. is the same spirit overshadowing a woman and bringing all things, Christ, into being. If the Holy Spirit overshadowed the earth and brought light and brought vegetation. So that everything we see now come by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. Then you can understand that same Holy Spirit upon a virgin can create or bring into being a new person. Jesus Christ. The incarnate one. God in the flesh. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in him. And in him we are made complete. That my friends is a story of Christmas. And that is why it was necessary for Christ to be born in the way 
He was born. Everybody say incarnation. Say I now understand the incarnation. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Let's pray. Father we thank you this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your beauty. Thank you for your power. Thank you Lord for the incarnation. The uniqueness of Christ. Thank you Lord that you became flesh. That in you we may have life. And have it more abundantly. We celebrate our salvation. We celebrate the newness of life we have in Christ Jesus. And we give you praise for it Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebe, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebe. Email otebe at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.